Hey, let's dive into the series. Today we're kicking off week one. If I were to title the message, I would title it, Help, I'm Stuck. <laughs> Anybody ever felt stuck? Anybody feeling stuck right now? You're like, I came to church and I feel stuck. Well, I want you to know you're in the right place. You may be here and say, I, I don't feel stuck. Listen, if you're not stuck now, you will get stuck one day. Pastor, that's not positive. No, let me say, I'm positive there will be a day when you get stuck. Why? Because we live in this world. And uh, I have found that being stuck doesn't necessarily mean your whole life is stuck. You know, you can have great success at your company. You can have great success in your marriage. Uh, you can have great success in your family. And yet your spiritual life be stuck. Maybe your physical life is stuck. So all this other stuff is great, but I'm struggling physically. Or, so it's not all. Sometimes it's just one. One area that the enemy's got you stuck. You can't seem to move forward. And then some of you came in and it's like, no, it's not. It's all. <laughs> it's everything. And I want you to know that's okay. We've all felt that too. I don't know about you, the last two years, can we just be honest? Can we just be real? There were many times everybody wanted to quit. What? Everything. You're like, I don't like you. I don't like this. I don't like God. I don't know if I like you. Can we just get real and just say, hey, it's okay to not be okay. What God doesn't work with and can't work with is when we're not honest with God. He's not afraid. You ever read the Psalms? David says some things to God. I'm like, ooh. I don't know if I would say that. And you know what God says? Hey, better say it to me than to leave it in your heart. And it's like, God, I just, I want to get unstuck. It's not about me. It's all about you. And sometimes I feel like it is about me and I'm stuck. And God, I need you to help me live the life you've called me to live. And be the man that you called me to be. And be the woman and the teenager and Listen, teenagers, listen, can we just validate the children and the teenagers and the struggle that they go through? You'll never know the fights they have inside of themselves, the struggle that you guys are faced with day in and day out. So we think we know we ain't got a clue. You guys are fighting battles and giants and nobody's ever seen. And I believe God's going to use you in a greater way than you could ever even imagine. That you, the Holy Spirit inside of you is going to raise you up. And it's okay whether you're a teenager and an adult to be stuck. It's just not okay to stay stuck. I'm not going to stay stuck. And so my book, you know, God had me write it and I laughed last week and Steve, my best friend, and I've got some other dear friends I would be writing, and I'm like, it's so funny. God has me writing this book, and I've never felt more stuck and more stoppable. And I think that's God's great pleasure. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I use the foolish things to confound the wise, the weak to show that I am strong. And I know this, that if you lock in for the next few weeks and say, man, I'm going to lock into this, grab a book. The book is free if you already have a copy, please don't take another one. But if you've not received a copy, the generosity, Steve and Stephanie and the church have made it possible for every one of you to get a free advanced copy of this book. And so begin to let it stir you and challenge you because God wrote this book just for you. I'm not kidding. There was the day I was like, I'm done. I ain't got to write a book. I'm not trying to get famous. I'm not trying. And I felt like the Lord said, you ain't done until I say you're done. There was one day, the worst day probably in my entire life. It was a whole week. 
And you don't know about it. I won't tell you till now because that day is over. But I felt the power of God push me forward. In fact, two people had read an advanced copy, a PDF version, and both of their words fueled the passion for me to finish. One man was my brother-in-law. He read the, the book. He's like, he called me and said, I didn't share this in the first service, so you're welcome. Here we are. We, he calls me and he says, man, I feel stuck. I said, Man, it's so funny you would say that. I'm writing a book. I didn't tell a whole lot of people. He said, brother, I need the book. I'm like, well, it ain't out yet. The editors, I can't send it out. And didn't think anything of it. Two months later, he calls me. I'm like, bro, it's almost going to be out, and I can send it to you. And I thought, no, I don't care about the editors or the publishers. I'm going to send it to you. I said, but I don't want you to think I'm just doing it for me. I believe this is a word from God. He read that book cover to cover four times, stayed in chapter 5. He said, I'm trying to go further, but I can't. God is speaking to me. There's something been on the inside of me. And he said this. He said, I used to have this big, tall truck. It was a Jeep, and all of us boys, we'd go, we'd go out mud, and he said, the only thing I can equate it to is I had the biggest Jeep with the biggest tires. We'd go out, we'd go mud, and he said, the challenge with that was it was so big, nobody wanted to pull me out because two things would happen. Number one, they'd get dirty, or number two, they'd get stuck themselves. He said, Jim, I want you to know I was stuck, and you came back for me. When others were afraid to get dirty, when others were afraid they'd get stuck, he said, you didn't care, you came back for me. That was the word. When he sent that on the day, I was like, I am tapping out. I'm out. That message came across. I said, I can't, I can't tap out for those that are in that same place. We got to go back for them. So you think, why do we get stuck? Why, why, why? Like, how do we get stuck? Why do we get stuck? What happens? I think we get stuck because we let our guard down and we compromise our standards. God's standards. I mean, we just, we get a little bit relaxed. You know, I mean, not we're like we're sinners. We just kind of let the guard down a little bit. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking. It's like a vacation mentality. Anybody know what about vacation? I don't know about you, I'm, I'm, I'm a very disciplined person, I get up, I'm working out, I pray, read my Bible every day, like I'm just very, very, very disciplined, but when you go on vacation, I mean, it's like, I ain't getting up at 5 a.m., I'm not going to eat healthy, not that I eat healthy all the time, but I'm not going to, like I'm for real going to eat a whole lot of chocolate chip cookies and chocolate brownies and Rocky Road ice cream. And I mean, the diet's out the door. The exercise, this is about as much mm, exercise that I'm doing, mm, like sitting down and that's it. And kids, who cares about kids? Are they breathing? Praise God. Somebody say, is that your kids? No, 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 no. I don't know them. That's Steve's kids. My God, my kids wouldn't act like that. <laughs> That's vacation. It's relaxed. And it's okay for a little while, but you weren't intended to live life on vacation. And I'm concerned because I know it happened to me. I'm not going to preach at you. I'm going to tell you, you read about it in the book. Like, it happened to me. COVID, March. Here we are. We went meeting the Dream Center because the school closed down. We're like, hey, we got a Dream Center. It's all good. Came back from vacation. I was at the beach and I'm preaching. I'll never forget. I'm like, hey, guys, we'll see you next week. And how many know four months later, 
we would be able to gather one time for Father's Day and be shut down for a couple more months. Do you remember that? I mean, I know if you're young, it's like we, but do you remember? Nobody had ever heard of social distancing. It would have been unimaginable for us to isolate ourselves in our homes and be told not to go to the grocery store, not to go to work, not to go to school. It was all going to be virtual and online. And look, we complied for two weeks because we thought it was two weeks. Hey, in two weeks, it'll lift. We'll be good. So what do we do? We all came home and we're Netflix binging. That discipline of working out, don't lie. You got that vacay bod. So everybody laughs, it's that I got the COVID bod. We know what you're talking about. Standards relaxed. The guard lowered, and we were never able to re-raise our standards and re-raise the guards that had protected our lives. And so then now we find ourselves stuck. What was intended for just a little bit has now become a lifestyle. Proverbs 25, 28 says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. That's what happened. The enemy broke into our lives. There were no more walls and guardrails to protect us. We became vulnerable. Vulnerable to what? Old thoughts. Old habits. Old addictions begin to creep back into your, your life. You know, it's just a little bit. And that little bit now became a lifestyle. God delivered you in the past, and many are ashamed. It was like, man, I'm, I'm not even going back to church because I, the last time they saw me, I was brother amazing, and now I'm like brother awful. And so then shame and guilt keep us from going to the very place where God wants to use to restore us, which is not just back to what you once were, but to a greater than than you once were. God wants to restore your marriage. He wants to restore your family. He wants to restore your health. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're clapping. I'm telling you, I don't even need you to clap. Don't clap. That relationship that you think is over, God said, I'm going to restore it to even greater. Some of you have settled in unresolved pain and isolation and fear. You stop guarding your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. Think about it. Above all else. Think about it. Didn't say pray, didn't say read your Bible, all those things we got to do. We know that. Guard your heart. And yet, what do we allow in our homes? So here's the devil don't even have to come knocking on your door. We just invite him. We surrender our homes because they're not guarded. We surrender our, our marriage because it's not guarded. We surrender our families because it's not guarded. He says, listen, guard your heart for it directs what? The path of your life. I was going the wrong way. I'm going the wrong way now. Well, we're, I bet it started in your heart. But it started within because, see, we only see the without, but it always starts from within. So easy to get stuck. So easy to get stuck. I, Phyllis, it was about a year and a half ago, she and Stephanie, uh, my sister-in-law, uh, decided to go to Matagorda Beach. And so they were going to take all of our kids. I got four kids. Steve and Steph got three kids. And some reason they didn't all ride together or caravan. They were going to meet each other there. So Phyllis and Steph are on the phone, and Steph is ahead of Phyllis because she's got a win at everything. No, I'm just she's ahead. 
leading the way. And Phyllis is like the, the, the caboose, like the, the fun. So they're on the phone, and Steph is blazing the trail because that's what Stephanie does. And they're talking, and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I got to the beach. and look, the, But there's a place when you get there, Phyllis, you're going to have to gun it. And then the phone goes silent. She lost connection. Like why she didn't lose it under any other words, I have no idea. But the last thing Phyllis hears is, when you get there, you got to gun it. She's like, is this a riddle? Is this a problem to be solved? And so she's driving and she's trying to call Steph and couldn't get a hold of her. But somehow Steph was able to drop her a pen. And Phyllis like, yo, it's all good. I got a pen on my phone. And when I get there. I'm going to have to gun it, okay. So she gets down there, gets to the beach, trying to beat all the traffic, and gets onto the beach and going in a direction that she thinks she's supposed to go because of the pen. And all of a sudden, she loses service to her cell phone, so she can't even track the pen. She just knows I'm supposed to go somewhere over there. And she's driving. She's a little nature trail. Ain't nobody over there. Steph's probably over there blazing the trail. So she cuts off over there, has no idea where she's going, but she's like, I'm sure I'm going to meet Steph somewhere around here. And then she gets to this deep ravine. It's really unpassable by all standards, but <laughs> Phyllis has this little common sense angel saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Jim will kill you. And that thing would be right. The other one's saying, when you get there, you got to gun it. And my wife, full of faith and tenacity and courage, sits there and contemplates and then says, I'm going to gun it. Boom! Jumps the ravine and high centers our SUV right in the middle. Not just a little stuck. She starts back, trying to back up she do it. She's like, I think we stuck. Kids are like, wow, yeah, let's do it again. She's like, no, for real, we stuck. So they get the shovels out. Not real shovels, little, little toy shovels. She's like, we're trying to get it out. 45 minutes later, she ain't laughing no more. She was so desperate, she gets my 13-year-old boy, now he was 12 back then, to get in the front seat and says, Carson, I'm going to need you to drive. He's like, I got you, Mom. She's back there, we're going to push. And Carson just spinning the tires, spinning the tires. She realized, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. Thank God she gets up and they start walking the beach and Thank God someone was there, someone in a truck. God bless trucks in Texas. Come on, somebody. Had a chain pulled her out. But I wonder if some of us in this place haven't gotten stuck because we got disconnected. Disconnected from God. Disconnected from people. We become isolated. See, the whole phrase social distancing, it's really a terrible phrase. It's the worst phrase you could ever use. I, I even think that was a ploy of the enemy 
because we really didn't mean social distancing, we meant physical distancing. But in our psyche, in our subconscious, even though we understood, we really didn't understand. And so we allowed ourselves to become isolated and the enemy has done exactly what he wants to do, which is to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. And he has been allowed to run rampant because we have allowed him to. But you keep reading that verse that says, but God has come that we might have life and life more abundantly. And if you find yourself today in a place where you've been stuck, you've got to know that God is here to bring great life into your life. We get disconnected. I think the verse that is so relevant to us is Proverbs 14, 12. It says there's a path before each person. It seems right. Phyllis thought she was going in the right direction. Made sense in the natural. But look what it says in the end, it leads to death. There's a lot of things that seem good, but they're not God. And I want to challenge us. I didn't say this earlier, but we are the church. And we've got to rise up and be the church that God has called us to be. We can't just do anything. We're called to do his thing. We're called to live the life he's called us to live. We're called to be the men and women he's called us to be. And that is not always going to make sense to people. Not only do we need God, I think the greatest reality of what people have seen in the I think people kind of thought we can live in isolation, but psychologists are saying the damage that we've seen is not physical, but it's emotional. The suicide rate's up. The drug abuse rate is up. Alcoholism. Domestic violence is shooting up in a greater level than they've ever seen. Why, what's happened? We become isolated. We used to have friends that would challenge us to live better, to be better. But when you're by yourself, people left to themselves make it about themselves. And so you've got God saying, no, no, I don't need you to be isolated. I need you to be around people. I need you to live in community. I never called you to live this private life with no one around. But it's a public community where I want to dwell and put my spirit upon Look at what it says, James 5.16. The reason the enemy wants us to live isolated is because healing comes in the context of relationship. Let me say that again. Healing comes in the context of relationship. What does that mean? Through relationship. See, we, we could say, look at the first part of this verse. Confess your sins. Now, if I were just to say that, most of you would begin to say 1 John 1, 9, that if we are faithful or if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and all unrighteousness. So we think confession to God, and that's true, but that's for forgiveness of sin. God forgives our sin. Thank God I don't have to go to a person to confess my sin, but I can meet with God Almighty and confess, God, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. God, I didn't do this right. I didn't say that right and all of a sudden his forgiveness consumes our life and we receive what the Bible says is forgiveness 
But what many people fail to realize is that God partners with humanity, so he forgives sins, but healing comes through relationship, which is where he says, listen, you need one another. Why? If you're going to live a whole life, whole life, like completed life, like the goal is not just to get to heaven. The goal is to walk in the fullness of God's power and glory here on this earth. And the only way we can do it is if we take off the mask. That's why religion is so deadly. We play church, but you're not the church. We'd like to have a good talk, but we don't walk it out. And we've got to know that healing comes through authentic relation. Hey, listen, here's my ugly That's what our small groups are all about. We don't do small groups just to try to give you something else to do. We understand the power of authentic relationship with people that are going the same path as you. It's good that you got a friend, but are they godly? It's good to have people to counsel with, but are they going down the same path, serving the same God, living the same life as you? Well, that's where the small group, you get around people, you're like, man, whoo. Man, God's doing something. You know, you got our young adult small group, or we had a marriage small group. Woo-woo! All my marriage small group people, come on. Are they in here? Iris, I didn't see no hands up. Come on, everybody. Come on, my small So Phyllis, woo! So we were, like, trying to get our marriages right and healthy, and it's awesome. We all wanted to work on our marriage. But how many times, Manny, did we tear up? Man, you're walking through that. We were talking about kids, and we'd just be open. And, I, you know, I'd tell them, hey, i got to take my pastor hat off, and here's what I'm struggling with. And, well, why would you do that? Well, they're going to look down on you. Listen, baby, I should never be on a pedestal. I'm a person just like you. I'm a follower of Christ, so follow me as I follow Christ. And if I don't allow myself to be open and honest and transparent, then we will never have an authentic move of God's healing through this church because healing comes through authentic relationship. Then what happens? Oh, you judge each other. I was at that church and they judged me. No, no, you was at the wrong church. We don't judge you. We don't even care. Well, shouldn't you care? No, that's the Holy Spirit's job. My job is to love them. I never saw someone change because I judged them. But I have seen many people change because we've showed them unconditional love. Hey, I love you. I love you. It doesn't matter. Come on. I love you. Just get back up. Come on. We love you. We're going to wrap our arms around you. And what I've found is if you're struggling with it, there are other people in that group that are struggling with it. And God begins to heal each other. Look at what it says. When you pray for each other, that you're going to be healed. It's all about relationships. Don't get disconnected. Hey, and I, I love online, fam. I'm glad you're here, but you got to come back in person if you physically can. I like Zoom small groups, but you need to meet in person if you physically can. I know there's, there's health challenges for people, so do whatever the doctor says. Ain't nobody judging you, but I'm telling you, if you can go to the grocery store, you ought to come to church. If you're eating at a restaurant, you ought to come to church. We disinfect. We do all the stuff the same, but sometimes we can say, well, I'll get it online. You can't get it. Online like you get it in person. Now, I know God's power is there, but there is something about a hug, a high five, an air fist bump. There's something about seeing people and saying we're in this together. So I'm going to give you just a couple of thoughts. Found yourself stuck. Here's one. You might be stuck, but with God you're never stranded. 
It's a big difference between being stuck and stranded. Stuck means to be held back, to detain by circumstance. So in other words, my car breaks down. I'm stuck here until my wife picks me up. There's an option. There's a, there's a workaround. And stranded means hey, look, there, there are no options. There's no way around this circumstance. So I'm without hope. And what I have seen the enemy wants to do is cause where you're at to determine your future through your own eyes. So I'm stuck, but now I've been stuck in my marriage for so long, it's hopeless. I've been stuck in these relational challenges with my kids, it's hopeless. I've been stuck in this job that is not, it's no place for me to be, and I feel stuck financially, I feel stuck in my health. Some of you, listen, healing right now. I believe with all of my heart, this is your year of healing. You've been sick for so long, you started to feel like you're stranded. God, maybe I'll get my healing on the other side of eternity. I want you to know, get your hopes up. Isaiah 53, 5 says, by his stripes, we are healed. And I believe that the hope of God will rise up because you are not without hope. The enemy has tricked you and tried to rob the blessing that God has for you. And I'm here to tell you, God is moving in his miracle working power this year. Put your hopes up. Put your hopes up. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. Look what Romans 8.28 says. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's working behind the scenes. Working behind the scenes. Working behind the scenes in your life. Philippians 1.6 I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Second thought I want to give you is God's ready when you're ready. God's ready when you're ready. I know sometimes it's easy to say, God, when are you going to do it? He's ready when you're ready. In July 2020, I was having a pity party. I was crying to God, not crying out to God. Anybody ever had those little pity parties? Whoa, it's me. <laughs> No, oh, ain't nobody ever had it. That's all good. I, I, I had it. Your pastor can have a good pity party. So I'm having a pity party, and I'm reading my Bible. It's one of those days I don't want to. My little one-year Bible. I was sitting in my bedroom. Never forget, sitting on the couch in my bedroom, just complaining. Ain't nobody cared. They don't appreciate what we do through COVID. Nobody knows. Whatever it was, I'm not saying that's what. But, you know, my kids don't appreciate me. My wife ain't got a clue how hard it is to be at home with everybody <laughs> and get revelation too. My God. I don't know, just a pity party. You know, just, just whining and complaining. And God brought me to Acts chapter 27, 28. It was in my one year Bible. And it was interesting because 27 was on one day, 28 was on another day. And so I'm just, God, I feel stuck. And uh, I think people feel stuck. And do you know 80% of Americans feel stuck right now? 80%. So I'm like, God, I want to help our people, but you got to help me first. And so I opened up my Bible, stopped complaining, and actually did something. I read my Bible, and I'm reading. And it's the story of Paul going to Rome. He's on a mission. He's on a journey. He's a prisoner. He's appealed to Rome. He was in prison. He appeals to Rome. He's now going to Rome. He's on a ship, and he gets shipwrecked in Malta, the island of Malta. 
And then while he's shipwrecked, all these bad things happen to him. And it's so funny because he gets there, he's picking up sticks, and a viper bites him. I'm like, yo, he was just, he was contributing. I thought about dream teamers. You're like, man, I was just, I was serving in the parking lot. I was running transportation. I was in production. God, I'm doing what my hands are supposed to do, and you let the devil bite me. That, that snake bit him. It was a viper. So everybody was expecting him to die. And what's so amazing is that he never opened his mouth to complain. He never lashed back out at them. But what we know is what the enemy tried to kill him with, God used to set him up for miraculous signs and wonders. They went from saying he must be a murderer to my God, he must be a God. He said, I'm not a God, but I'll lead you to the one who is. Whatever situation you're walking in, you say, God, I was serving you. God, I was loving you. I was doing all the things you said to do. And God, all of a sudden, the devil just tried to take my life. And I want you to know the enemy has no power except for the power that we give him. Here's a word. I didn't say this before. You Maybe just need to keep our mouths closed. Paul didn't say a word. Then defend himself. Didn't do it. So then what, what happens is three months later, here's the passage the Lord spoke to me. It's 2810. I'm reading this intrigued and I was eager. And it says, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with supplies that we needed. When we were ready. The Lord spoke to me. You know, when you read the Bible, there's logos word, which is the written word. And then there's what we call the rhema word. And that's where God's word comes alive inside of you. So you'll read something. God's word is alive and active. It's not just some self-help book. It's the word of God. So you'll read it and something leaps off the page. That's God speaking to your spirit. And it says, and when we were ready, and now we know Paul was a prisoner. He was held captive by the Roman guard. So Paul couldn't just go get on a ship and say, ta-da, I'm free. No, no, he was, he was a prisoner. Now, how many know we serve such a good God, a sovereign God, that Roman guard couldn't keep him back if God's will was to move him forward. And so we know that in the time that he was on the island, even though it looked like he was stuck, God put him there to be a testimony of the light and the goodness and the miracle working power of an almighty God. And Paul fulfilled his purpose in that season. I want you to know pain has a purpose. God will never waste your pain. God will never cause you to go through something that he won't flip the script on the devil. He'll use that very pain to be a platform to bring freedom, to bring hope, to bring healing to those that God has placed in your life. But you got to be careful that you don't allow yourself to get stuck. Be ready. So what does that mean? That means whatever you are going through, serve. Get on the dream team. People say, oh, well, they got their marriage and their life. and they're, No, 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 they're just people that have understand, understood this, that I've got to continue to serve God in the midst of the struggle, the trial, the storm, the, the, this situation. Third thought and final thought is this. Waiting on God is not passive. See, if, you, if we think waiting on God is passive, you'll stop everything until God fixes that one thing. If you think waiting on God is passive, you'll become a victim, not a victor. Because it's like, God, I'll serve when. God, I'll give when. 
I'll pray when. I'll, I'll do what you're calling me to do, but only when. And so, so there's this whole game. It's like, God, it's just, when you're, you're not, no, no, God, God says, no, I'm ready. I'm ready to what? To use you, a broken, weak, frail humanity that is flawed, imperfect. The only perfect one was Jesus. And he said, yeah, yeah, you're a great candidate that in your weakness, I want to be strong. In the times of pain, I want to give you joy. In the struggle, I'm going to give you strength. Why? Because that's how God gets glory. See, if you were good enough and strong enough and powerful enough, that you would get the credit. Look, God's all about his glory. He doesn't care about your glory, your credit. In fact, he doesn't even care about your comfort. I know I just stepped on... He ain't cared. No, no, no. Your comfort is not his concern. Your maturity and your growth and your surrender, that's, that's the concern of God. We've got to be careful about a gospel that preaches. We come to God for benefits. You know why we come to God? You come to God because you were a sinner in need of a Savior headed straight to hell. So why do I come to him? Because I'm lost. And that's the just penalty for my sin. People say, how could a good God send people to heaven? Oh, they missed it. God doesn't send people to heaven. Your rejection of his solution sends you to heaven, hell. Yeah, God doesn't send people to hell. <laughs> Y'all knew what I was saying? Think about it. You say, oh, good God wouldn't send people to hell. No, 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 no. He's so good, he sent Jesus himself. Divinity clothed in humanity. Imagine. He's so good, he, the Bible says, has felt every ounce of pain that we have felt. Suffered just like us been abused, mocked, beaten, crucified. Why? Because he loves you. He didn't have to. See, God's a dad. He wants a family. That's how much he loves you. All the other stuff, that's extra. Do you get peace? You get peace. Usually it's in the middle of the storm. Do you get joy? Yeah, it's usually in the middle of problems. Yeah, yeah, do you, you get all the benefits you do, but that is not why we come to God. We come to God because we love Him. He first loved us. We love Him in return, and we say, God, you're a good God. I surrender my life. If I never get another thing from you, I'm going to serve you. If you never do another thing for me, I'm going to serve you. If you never talk to me again, I'm going to be faithful. If I got to walk through the valley, I'm going to be faithful. If I got to ride through the storm, I'm going to be faithful. God, whatever it is, I'm going to be faithful. And it's in your heart. And it's okay that we mess up. God tells me all the time, it's okay. You mess up, it's okay. David messed up a lot. But you know the difference is he was quick to repent. He's like, God, I'm sorry. God, I love you. Can we just tell him how much we love him? God, I love you. I feel his presence in this place. See, God's calling you to be an active partner with what he wants to do that you would get in position 
by doing what he speaks to you. When the Lord speaks, you just simply obey. Some of you, God's been telling you, you need to start serving. And you're like, I will. He's like, no, 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 you're going to stay stuck until you do what I said. Someone needs to go ask somebody for forgiveness. Maybe it's a family member. And you're like, no, I, I ain't asking for forgiveness. They, they know what they did was wrong. And they were wrong, but it's got nothing to do with them and everything to do with you. It's this simple acts of obedience releases the power of God in your life. Come on, let's lean in. Do it right now. Tell him, I feel his presence. He's moving in this place. Come on, Father, we thank you. God, we worship you. Come on. Come on. In fact, stand up for me. Why don't we just stand up? Come on, lean into his presence. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way.